Welcome back to The Andrew Haynes Show. Today's episode, Andrew sat down with Jason Hunt, the owner and orthopedic surgeon at OrthoLynx Orthopedics in Tampa, Florida. In addition to being an entrepreneur and orthopedic surgeon, Jason founded the OrthoLynx Care Foundation as a way to financially support patients who lost their jobs or health care due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Today's episode was an inside look at the surgery and healthcare side of sports, and we hope you enjoy it. Support for The Andrew Haynes Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code AGH at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code AGH. Your balls will thank you. All right, we're back for another show, and today we've got Dr. Jason Hunt with us, orthopedic surgeon from the Tampa area. How's it going, Jason? I'm doing really good. How are you? Doing good, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. Yeah, happy um, to. Met you a few years back when I think, uh, I think when I had the soccer team in Lakeland, uh, we were talking about doing some medical stuff together. So been following you. You got a lot of good stuff going on. You know, lots happened in the last five years, it looks like. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, why don't you just kind of give us a little bit of background on yourself, where, you know, where you've been, what you've been up to, where, up until uh, where you're at now. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I grew up in Kentucky, went to undergrad and med school in Kentucky, and then uh, went and did a, a residency in Oklahoma City. So, I was in Oklahoma City for five years, uh, then moved back to Kentucky uh, 2010, went into private practice. And then in 2014, uh, was switching practices and ended up in Tampa after uh, we were kind of uh, starting a sports medicine practice at that time. We were partnering with uh, D1 Sports Training, and so we're starting to look at uh, how we can start a sports practice and ended up in Tampa, Florida, uh, working for a group called Surgery Partners, uh, where they were starting a new orthopedic service line for their surgery centers. And then in end of 2017, I uh, went back into private practice here in Tampa. So open ortho links, uh, which is where we are now. Uh, been here since end of 2017. Uh, so going on two and a half years. Uh, started out with just myself here. And now we have a non-operative doc, uh, a physiatrist, Dr. Kahari, uh, physical therapy group. So we've really grown a lot even since the first time we met. Nice. No, I look, and it looked like you had a pretty good sized space too. So I was like, you know, you got, you yeah. had that whole back area and then. Yeah. That's all fit know. out now. That's where all the magic happened. So the Dari screen set up, we have a golf simulator room uh, in the back and then uh, do some therapy in the front. So what, like, what was it about sports? Like, why'd you want to get into like sports medicine? Well, part of it was just being an athlete. I played baseball in college and it kind of, uh, my first exposure to an orthopedic surgeon was as a patient. So I'm sitting in the room and he's telling me that I think you need knee surgery. And I said, well, you know, let me talk to my parents about that. And then I went back and told my coach, like the surgeon cleared me, there's no problems. And uh, So I was a terrible patient. That was my first exposure. But then, you know, sports medicine, orthopedics goes hand in hand. So we start, stop playing baseball, but then uh, actually did a rotation in Largo, Florida with a guy named John Harker when I was a medical student. It's kind of an accident that I found him, but really kind of fell in love with orthopedics and uh, being able to compete against injuries now. And, you know, James Andrews says that a lot, like he competes against injuries now. And that's, uh, that's, it's fun that way to take somebody who's injured and has no chance of playing again and get him back to play. And so there's the same adrenaline that you get for uh, 
well, I don't know if it's the same adrenaline. It's a similar adrenaline that it's you competitive get. Competitive though, yeah. Exactly. You're competing against an injury to get somebody back. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, sports that go hand in hand with what we do in orthopedics. Not just because we see athletes and treat them, but also it's a similar mindset. We're trying to defeat injuries that that used to take people's careers or they used to change people's lives, and we're trying to make sure that doesn't happen now. Yeah, I mean, now there's so much involved just on the preventative side that you're probably yeah. involved with. Yeah, for sure. It just seems like more and more now. I've changed my entire practice over the last couple of years based on a couple of modalities. One is electrical stimulation protocols that we made that really help people bounce back from injury faster than uh, they've ever been able to do before. And then the stuff that we were talking about with the DARI screening, we're able to catch people who are prone for injuries and uh, kind of rehab them or prehab them before it happens. And that's a game changer for a lot of athletes. If we can prevent an ACL versus reconstruct an ACL, it really doesn't throw them off as bad as, uh, as it once did. What kind of drove you to kind of go out on your own though? I mean, you know, I mean, I would think the expenses are crazy Uh, and yeah, I mean, just just starting your own business is tough. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was, uh, I guess you asked me early on, I don't think I really had an entrepreneurial drive or I wouldn't have admitted that I did when I was in residency. Uh, but as I got into private practice, I realized that if I wanted to make meaningful changes that were above just taking what the status quo was, then I had to be in private practice. Because if I have a, a boss who's a hospital employee, a hospital system or a big, you know, multi-specialty group, then I have an idea of, of how to help someone. I can't implement it without sending it up the chain of command and saying, this is yeah. what it is. So for me, it definitely wasn't financial in nature. I mean, I can, I can do better financially if, as an employed physician sometimes. Um, but also it was just so we have a lot of things that we're trying to pull off. You know, one of the things we were trying to really fight for is price transparency. So if you're injured and you have insurance or don't have insurance, I want people to know like what they're signing up for. Just like if you go to a steakhouse and you're trying to think, am I going to spend 50 bucks? Am I going to spend 200 bucks? Like we really need price transparency to happen. And I think it will fundamentally change how people do healthcare if they are informed. So a lot of it is like, oh, don't worry. That's too complicated. You know, you would never understand how healthcare works. That's all just bogus. Like the truth of it is, is we all need to be transparent and people need to know what they're getting into so they can make their decisions. And so I'm going to be a, going to make a lot of enemies for doing that, but I'm going to make a lot of uh, uh, friends too when it comes to like trying to advocate for price transparency. And if you're trying to do those things that fundamentally change how medicine works, you can't do it unless you're in private practice. You can't do that in the system. That's for sure. <laughs> They're not going to want you in there, you know, ruffling feathers, but I mean, that's, so what does that mean? Are you going to have like a menu basically? Exactly. That No doubt. My goal in the next five years is, is if you go to orthopedic surgery in Tampa, then if they don't have a menu, you don't go there. Uh, and that, like I said, that's, this is not happening actively right now, but a lot of the things that we're looking for, for price transparency, I just want people to know like exactly what they're signing up for. Every day I see patients who are afraid, like, oh, this may bankrupt me. Like if I need a surgery, how am I ever going to afford that? And I just want people to know, like, it is what it is. It's so complicated with the insurance companies and everybody's insurance allows for a different amount. But the truth of the matter is, is like, we can get people a ballpark number. And, and yeah. there's people who don't want that to happen, but I'm going to push very hard. That, and basically to become an advocate for the patient so they know what they're getting. Well, I, I don't know. That's definitely not in my wheelhouse, but I do know that uh, 
when I looked at my, I get a bill from my insurance. It, it's not even a bill, but it, it says, okay, well, the doctor billed $10,000 and we saved X amount because we only paid 2,500. Uh, right. To me, it just sounds like a bunch of fluff. It's all like, fluff. And I yeah. And I it's like, it is, I mean, yeah, come I on. <laughs> promise you it's all fluff because the truth is there was a contracted rate. If the doctor accepted your insurance, we already knew what that rate was before you ever became a patient. Right. So it wouldn't matter if they charge a million dollars and they save because it wasn't a savings at all. It was a contracted right. rate that it was written down to. Yeah. That's some of the language that's used to confuse patients. And I, I'm not going to pick on all the insurance companies, but man, some of them just want to keep patients in the dark. Uh, and I was just giving somebody an example. I mean, uh, there's a certain facilities that you can go to and the same x-ray that costs 25 bucks in my clinic costs $400 there. And if people knew they wouldn't go to the 400 one, like yeah, they would go why? To one. And, now, uh, do you take most insurances or how did like, is yeah. it just a few? Yeah. No, we take as many as we can. Like, man, when I started this practice, I, I just wanted to help as many people as possible. But we knew because we were trying to elicit change that we had to try to get ex exposure to everybody. And uh, there's some insurances that don't pay very well, but we take them anyway. Yeah. Uh, and there's some insurances that pay okay, and we accept those. The big picture for what we're trying to do as a practice is I would love one day uh, for to be kind of like St. Jude's kids. Like somebody comes here and they don't get a bill. Like we, we literally yeah. have a, a mechanism in place that uh, we can build a platform to speak from, from an orthopedic standpoint, and then maybe start the conversation about what do we do with our healthcare system? Cause it's not sustainable like it is. So how do you even get something like that going in just your practice? It's, it's, it's virtually impossible if you think <laughs> about it and you're trying to pull it off by yourself. Um, but one of the steps that we made, and it's not to that same degree, is we started a foundation for, for people who have lost their insurance or jobs because of COVID-19. And we're fundraising for that right now and trying to get enough money that we can help enough people that it will gain some momentum. And then we'll have some people get behind it and kind of support us in a, in a way that uh, we're taking care of people who can't take care of themselves in a situation they couldn't control. Uh, no yeah. one knew coronavirus was going to wreck jobs and insurances like it did. And so we're just trying to be a, a beacon for them right now because it's needed immediately. But then eventually as that starts to grow and we become a trusted practice to know that, okay, we're going to do the right thing for people. Then we can start to make huge changes where we can have a foundation involved. We can have a lot of things involved where we can have a platform to get price transparency. We can be advocates for patients for how much the surgeries are going to cost. Um, you know, the, I don't believe the hospital systems and, and a lot of people want us to do that. Uh, but I think it's needed and the timing is perfect for us uh, because coronavirus is, is going to have a f continued financial impact for what it's, we're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, it's making a, a huge, huge impact and you have to be able to pivot from this, you know, and that's, I mean, what you're doing, creating that foundation, you know, quick like that to try to make an impact. Um, you know, it's affecting so many people. And, uh, you know, I thought that was, that was pretty cool of you to do. Um, what yeah. is like, what are you guys doing to fundraise now? Like what's the, Man, we just, we literally just got our 501c status. And so we're, we're doing, we're sitting down across the table and kind of, uh, you know, first thing you do for any fundraiser, you call your family and friends and you say, Hey, this <laughs> yep. is what we're doing. And if it's cool, send me some money. Right. And so that's what we're doing right now. But we're also, uh, We'll have a golf tournament. A lot of the stuff that we do around my practice involves golf. Uh, we treat some professional golfers and we use the Dari stuff to, uh, to try to 
peak their performance. So we're going to get some the golf world involved. Uh, we'll also, uh, you know, I just had one of my friends come on board as a fundraising director and we're just sitting down thinking like, okay, the worst time on earth to raise money from individuals is in the middle of a pandemic. So uh, you need to hold on to your money because you may need it. But at the same rate, there's a group of people who desperately need orthopedic care who's not going to be able to afford it. So we're literally sitting down thinking about, you know, can we make small sustainable? Can, can we get people on $10 a month? Can we get people on $5 a month and really just beat it with the masses rather than find out somebody, Hey, I'm going to give you $10,000 or we're going to do whatever. We're also, uh, we have to get the information out once we have enough funding to the athletes who are going to need the care. And so then we'll start partnering with, uh, you know, if it's a 50, 50 raffle at whatever, at a boosters club, like anything that, anything that would fundraise that doesn't take away from the people that we're trying to help, then we're going to be okay with it. And, uh, we'll, we're going to try to do some, uh, corporate sponsorships, uh, where people come in and partner with us and we can, uh, we can go in and, and shout out whatever they're doing and get involved with them and support them, but also, uh, use the, the profits from it too. Uh, I think eventually at first we'll have a kickoff dinner uh, where we're going to invite a lot of people who helped us get started and, uh, and do some fundraising that way with a silent auction and, and whatever we need to do. Really what we need to do is get enough momentum to help one or two people and then see right. how, what becomes of it. Because yep. eventually what will happen is, is as we'll get past the coronavirus, we're going to get past the economic downfall from it, but that doesn't mean we're going to close our foundation. We're just going to pivot again. There's still going to be people. Yeah. The next group of people who are in need and then go after them so hard that uh, we can help as many people as possible. Would you say like the majority of your business is like um, paid through insurance or do you have a lot of like cash type uh, patients? I think we probably see more cash patients uh, than other practices do just because we have some very reasonable fee schedules that are transparent. Like when somebody calls, they're significantly cheaper than our competition doesn't change and, uh, based on you know <laughs> it doesn't change based yeah. on you know what what your address is it's just right. it is what it is here's the fee and i think people really appreciate that and because we're we're up front and say you know it's not free by any means because i have to pay bills and, yeah. and everything else but we're going to make it so it's affordable and accessible so I, the majority is insurance but i think we see more people with self-pay than average clinic would just because we try to be transparent Let's, let's talk about like the, the backside of the clinic that has like the Dari screening and what, what exactly is that? So uh, the Dari motion is uh, a combination of two things. One is eight high definition cameras. So you can capture uh, an athlete or a, a patient in eight directions and get every range of motion of every joint you can imagine. And then the other side of it's a software where you take that information that you've recorded and process the data. It gives us up to 400,000 data points on a human. So we essentially get your athletic DNA and it really nothing can hide in that scan. So we have about 22 motions we go through and it'll give me 23 pages of data to sort through. And then we use it and hone in based on who we're working with. If it's a professional golfer, then I'm looking at his thoracic spine and what rotation he has. I'm looking at his hip rotation, all the things that have to do with golf. If it's a tennis player, then I'm looking at their shoulder and how they can open up and then how their forehand works. And tennis has become a power game. So it's almost like golf. Now the lower body works and the upper body works. 
if it's a football player, uh, we're making sure they're not at risk for an ACL tear. Like, do they have a high valgus angle of the knee? So the software is so powerful that it processes all that information and spits out to me a, a massive report. And then my portion of it is, is going through that report and interpreting what's important and what's applicable to that athlete. And, you know, sometimes we screen healthy athletes and just use it as a baseline. So heaven forbid they're injured and they come in uh, after they're injured and we had a baseline score, let's say it's 600 and we're trying to rehab them to get them back to play. And then they re rescreen them and they're at 600. And then we have pretty good data that they're safe to return to play because how we make return to play recommendations lots of times is, Oh, that's going to take four to six weeks. Well, what if it's three for some people or what right. if it's two? Uh, so now we have some data that uh, can really allow us to safely return people to play return athletes to play that we didn't have before. Uh, so it's, it's kind of fancy. And then there's a bunch of other applications that we can use it for, like uh, everything you can imagine uh, for increasing performance. We can find out what your deficit at. If you want to jump higher, I can find out how much ground force level, ground force reaction you're creating when you jump, correct that problem, have you jump again so we can make people jump higher. So somebody's going to the combine, half an inch matters. If you're going to um, throw a baseball, you know, two miles per hour matters. And so mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it used to be the technology that you would only see with a uh, suit that had the dots on it. Like you're looking at Tiger Woods golf or in a research lab where uh, they would do research on motion or gait. But now, um, you know, we invested a lot of money really early in the clinic to just to have something different than our, I'd say our competition had so we can differentiate ourselves from a sports medicine standpoint. And it's been, uh, it's been very helpful uh, doing that for the last couple of years. How many people have that equipment or technology like within I, that I'm region? I'm not sure. Within the, there is another Dari screen in town in Tampa, but if you look in the country, it's Clemson university, university of Alabama, university of Florida, university of Notre Dame. And so, these are places where you, this is definitely not a place you would expect to have a Dari screen right. in the back of my clinic. Uh, so maybe 30 in, units in the country or maybe 40, but definitely not in the back of a single orthopedic surgeon's office. That, yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And I remember when I went there as like, I was, I don't want to do it because you're going to run a report. You're going to say, oh, holy shit, you're going to, your whole body's about to fall apart. <laughs> hey, just because you didn't know it doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm so, so no, I mean, that's, it's pretty cool because too, if you see that somebody has a higher potential of a tear or something like that, then you can be proactive on putting together a program. Now, do you guys sure. do that or do you yeah, for sure. work with uh, sports? Uh, Both. Yeah, okay. both. So if someone doesn't have a trainer or someone doesn't have a personal trainer or a team trainer, then we'll help them uh, put together a program. Uh, we have a physical therapist here as well who does their treatment with the, the new fit treatments. Uh, but we can put that program together. If they have a trainer, then it's almost a cheat sheet for your trainer. Like you literally send it to them. You're like, if you'll train this, this, and this, you're going to get results fast. And they look like a wizard then because they have a cheat sheet on how to train this guy. Instead of putting everyone in the same training regimen, you individually train people for what they're deficient on. And then all of a sudden their performance goes up and they kind of look like a wizard. So, and then I have a golf professional who sends me all of his students as well, like screen their body, fix their body. And then I become a better teacher because their body can do what I'm asking them to do. 
so there's a lot of applications uh, for that for sure. And then having that data, like there's no, there's no substitute for objective data, which is like, this is the state of what your body is. I know you may not feel it, you may not see it, but now we've measured it. And then if we correct it, then you, the performance goes way out of, way out of order. In fact, I just had a conversation this weekend and it's, it's kind of Star Trek stuff and we're kind of dabbling in it, but can we find athletes who have the it factor? Is there an objective way to measure and say, okay, we're looking at heart rate variability. We're looking at the Dari screen. We're looking at all these it factors to find out if we can find somebody early on. And we were specifically talking about golfers who could potentially have a potential to be a professional golfer when they're 14 or 15 or 18 versus someone who's going to have to really work hard to maximize, you know, the Rudy's of the world to maximize what they have. And if we can find out who those people are that are, that have the it factor, I was going to take thousands of screens and lots of work to try to figure that out. But that's going to be my hobby over the next couple of years is trying to identify those people who, who have what we call the it factor. you like, if you see an athlete, you're like, I don't know what's different about them, but they just have it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we're trying to measure what that is and see if we can, you know, unlock some stuff in those people. Uh, if I had LeBron James scans when he was 14, I bet they would look crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 12 probably. Exactly. Oh gosh. In a world where people are more aware and plugged in than ever, it's not enough to just have a great product. Consumers are looking for brands they can relate to. That's where Egghead Creative comes in. Everything they do is powered by deepening the connection with your brand. And every time you do business with them, they'll build a bespoke team of highly specialized creatives designed specifically around what you need. For more information, visit eggheadcreativestudio.com. That's E-G-G-H-E-A-D creativestudio.com. Or follow them on Instagram at eggheadcreativestudio. Now back to the show. Nah, it's... So what's the other piece of equipment that you have in there? Like when I was in there, some, you had some guy in there, he was getting like a workout and yeah, yeah. I've seen it one other place. Um, yeah, it's an electrical stimulation machine. Uh, the one that we use is called a newbie and it's from a company called new fit and it's different than a tinge unit or any other electrical stimulation that most people think of. And the signal that it sends out is a DC current. So if you think about a tinge unit and the, if you talk about the science behind it, it's a sine wave. So it grabs the muscle, let's go. Grabs the muscle, let's go. Well, this signal is one that your brain recognizes. So it's very similar to the signals that your brain would use to go to a muscle. So it's almost, and this is not the technical version of it, but it's almost like having a computer hacker for your brain. So because of that, you can hack the muscles. And so you can literally turn a PVC pipe into 400 pounds. And so instead of putting 400 pounds on your back and doing a squat, you can squat a PVC pipe on this machine and still get the same amount of muscle build and breakdown without the wear and tear on the joints. Uh, same thing. I can, I can rip your biceps to shreds in a few minutes versus, you know, spending 30 and 40 minutes in the gym. We don't use that version of it very much. We use it from a therapeutic standpoint, helping people heal from high ankle sprains or ankle sprains or getting uh, people recovered after surgery faster. So our whole program is based on recovery. But uh, there's a, the guys in Austin, uh, Garrett, uh, Saltpeter in Austin, they really use it as well to, to do the workout stuff. So there's some guys in the Arnold program who are, who are using this because they get more efficient workouts. Uh, for us, we mainly use it in the injury prevention and injury treatment side. 
And the outcomes are great because really what happens is we get people back to play faster than our competition. And uh, that we cover two high schools in the area, but we got athletes from 32 high schools last year because wow. they knew if they need the wizard treatment, then they come to the, they come to ortho links because we just get people back faster. In fact, we had some trainers come in with them too. Like, Let, go find out what they're doing. Like go, <laughs> go see this treatment because they want to, they want to do it as well. But we spent about two and a half years figuring out how to do it. So everybody's behind us right now. Right. And that's not, that equipment is not that popular yet either. Is it? It is not. No, for Probably sure. A little bit more uh, than the Dari, but not. Correct. And, and that's, uh, that's a problem we're actually trying to solve. I'm trying to work with that company and say, Hey, you know, we can expand our orthopedic services across the country actually and, and mirror with the, with the new fit equipment and see what we can do for sports medicine, how, how much better we can make people. But you're right. It's, it's relatively new, uh, maybe three years on the market. And I would say I'm totally guessing. I don't have any machines out, but it's, it's in the hundred, maybe hundreds. Yeah. Not many. Uh, so there's definitely states that still haven't seen it yet. I mean, because this would be great for any PT, you know, clinic, you would well, think. It, no? It is, but not a traditional PT okay. clinic. Uh, and the, Jason Waz, he's a competitive edge therapy, is the one that introduced to me. He's a physical therapist. And uh, if you run a traditional clinic, like people just get better too fast and you don't get any visits out of them. Uh, and you're like, Oh wait, <laughs> we're losing money. <laughs> right. So, but if your reputation is just get people better and get them back out to play, man, it's unbelievable. Yeah. People are going to keep coming in. Yeah, for sure. Cause you, you get them then with everybody comes to you because you have the technology versus man, I only got to see him two visits and <laughs> yeah, he's, he's back. Right. How do you like, get your message out to people though. I mean, that, that's gotta be hard to when you're fighting traditional stuff. Yeah. I I tell you part of it's on purpose. I got really quiet when I found out what I had my hands on. Cause when I first got the new fit, I didn't know what we, what we had. I kind of stumbled on something, but then once I thought it had potential, I really just went to work. And so for about two years, I just was treating patients and treating golfers and treating patients. And I didn't want it to be like a 2 a.m. golf channel commercial. Like, Hey, come and see me. I'll get you 10 <laughs> degrees of motion. Cause then we sound like poor Hank Haney. And it's like, uh, well, you know, he, what he does is awesome. But when you put it on the info commercial, it doesn't sound awesome anymore. Right. Uh, so we didn't want it to become that we wanted it to be real and have sustainable stuff. So I got really quiet for two years and did not promote it. The other part was, is I was the only one running the machine. So I'm like, my real job is to be an orthopedic surgeon. And so from that standpoint, I didn't have enough time. Like I couldn't treat all the people who wanted to be treated. So then we pushed Paul's, started a therapy program, hired a physical therapist, kind of taught the protocols uh, to him. And now he's teaching to other therapists that we have. So now we're actually only now in a situation where we can promote it and say, Hey, we can take care of everybody who needs to be taken care of. Um, one of the ways that we did that is try to get commercial insurances on board so we can accept the insurance because I had plenty of people who were coming that are athletes. They would just pay cash uh, because you know, the insurance doesn't cover it or whatever. So we did, we fought to try to get those codes uh, where everyone can use it and we were successful in doing that. So now we can offer it to everyone. Um, And that's, that's a big benefit. It doesn't just help, you know, the athletes who have the money to pay for it. Now we can help anyone who, has insurance or even people who don't have insurance at a reasonable rate. And so uh, the truth is, is like, it's not traditional. Like uh, there's, 
not many orthopedic surgeons who are going to pause their practice for two years and figure out how to use it. Uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you're trying to do something on the sports world that's kind of different or groundbreaking. So for me, that time spent is going to pay off later. Uh, but it, it doesn't fit well in a traditional orthopedic surgery practice because it's, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit cutting edge. So what, like what drives you though, to be kind of that, you know, at the forefront of, you know, change within, you know, the industry, like what, what really pushes you that way? I mean, cause I it'd think, be easy just to take the easy way and yeah. do the traditional. I, I don't know if it's, um. I don't know if it's that same drive we were talking about, like just to be better, like to, to make a, I could tell you when I first came to Tampa, I met a guy named Ricky Saylor who works with unsigned preps, which is a lot of high school football players. And they put 300 and some graduates and tons, like millions of dollars of scholarships in. And one of the, the problems that we had in the Tampa Bay area at that time was is not every high school had an athletic trainer. So they're playing high school football with no trainers, which is, to me was insane. I trained in Oklahoma and in, and even in Kentucky, like high school football is not the king in Kentucky. Basketball is. Yeah. Every school had a trainer. I came Didn't to Hillsborough that County. just happened like in the last year that yeah, it got approved? Was, yeah, and, but it got approved because something tragic happened. Yeah, and somebody was, passed away. Died. Yeah. yeah. And so when I came, I was like just mind blown that there could be people playing like high school football in Hillsborough County. That's a talented group of kids. Like you look in the NFL and you can see some Hillsborough County kids playing. Oh, yeah. Um, and so when I came, I was like, no, you're kidding me. Like they, they don't have a, no. and that was the case, but also what really got me motivated to start just pushing the envelope was there was kids that weren't getting taken care of either because they didn't have the right insurance or things weren't going. So I committed to him way back in 2014. If you ever have a kid who only way to change their family tree is to get a college football scholarship then you get them to me and we'll take care of them with, uh, with their ability to pay or not pay. It doesn't matter. We're not going to let an injury prevent them from getting a college scholarship uh, and a potential to get a degree and, and better themselves. And so I think that was an initial drive. Like I think that sparked the fire a little bit and then it just became like, how far can we push it? Like how, how what can we do to get as good as possible? And then the other is just, it's not competition against the other orthopedic surgeons, but it's just a competition where we just, we literally want to be the best in the world. Like I want to have the best system in the world to treat athletes. And uh, we're just trying each day, you're trying to get better doing that. Uh, it's uh, we don't spend a whole lot of time on marketing it. We want word of mouth to, to take on, but, and I got to do better at marketing it actually. Uh, but from that standpoint, um, we just want to be as good as we can be, push the bar as, as fast as we can push it. And uh, athletics open so many doors. Like you can speak into that, obviously, but the doors yeah. they open cannot afford to be closed in some people. And uh, so we're just trying to make sure that whatever we're doing is, is cutting edge and we're just trying to get people back to play uh, as soon as possible, safely as soon as possible. Outside of the sports side, do you do um... – orthopedic services for just normal injuries as well yeah for sure yeah we see everything except you know spine injuries i don't do i'm not a spine surgeon but kind of a old school general orthopedic surgery which means uh, arthroscopies of shoulders and knees and uh, arthritis and uh, worn out hips and knees and uh, 
everything in the extremities you see. So we're kind of still an old school type of general orthopedic practice. It just kind of morphed into a sports medicine practice because number one, we invested a bunch of money and time and technology to be better at it. But number two, we were just doing it better uh, at that period of time. And it kind of, we kind of took business when it was important for us to get business in the sports medicine world. Is there plans to like expand or, you know, yeah, we have, grow we have really, really, really big plans to expand. In fact, we would love to have a hundred clinics across the country in the next five years. And so our first expansion is uh, probably going to be into Orlando. Uh, and then uh, we're looking at the villages uh, to expand to kind of complete a triangle, but throughout the country, we're going to build these triangles where it would be typically difficult to hire what I call uh, city orthopedics. Which means you bring uh, someone who doesn't want to move to a population of 2,000 people or 3,000 people. We can still offer that level of care that you would get in the city to those type of communities by building triangles. And so our plan across the country, and I've mapped everywhere we potentially are going to go, is to build these triangles of uh, areas where they'll have non-operative doctors in those triangles and an orthopedic surgeon who serves that triangle. Yeah, And then they they have the flexibility. And really – coronavirus played a role in that because telemedicine became a real thing. Like it's Mm -hmm. not going to go away anymore. And then now, so if I'm in Orlando, I can still see a post-op patient from Tampa on an iPad. If it's a second post-op visit, or I can, if I'm in Kentucky, I can see a patient in Tampa uh, on the iPad. So it really opened up what we could do uh, because my vision was pretty small when we started like, Hey, let's put a few clinics across the area and see what happens. And then it made us, look at like why can't we introduce this nationwide and uh and show what we're doing in in, in tampa and then bring it to areas that are underserved like my people are from kentucky so i'm going to go back to my people and, and introduce to them like hey this is this is the highest level of care that you can get in orthopedics and in a way that normally you wouldn't be able to hire an orthopedic surgeon to go to that town uh, because number one maybe they wouldn't want to live there or yep. they're not from there um, but they can actually live in the city if you want to call right. Lexington the city there and then still serve those outserving areas in a way that we weren't able to do before. What do you, what do you think in like a one or two hour kind of, you know, radius triangle? Yeah, I think it beyond two hours is difficult because it, it's okay. a lot four hour, you know, turnaround is hard. One and a half hours to two to one hour is probably optimal. Uh, you know, going from here to Orlando, if you're just uh, as the bird flies, it's not too hard, but if you try to get on I four, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, that's going to put us in the two hour range. And uh, that's probably the max of, of what we can do and cover. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're looking at is draw the triangle as tight as possible, Nice. but also at least serve areas that wouldn't normally be served. Like even if I go to, I'm making up, like I go North to Zephyr Hills, like people from Zephyr Hills still kind of come to Tampa sometimes for care. So it doesn't really, impact the community like it would be if you're in Orlando or, right. or another Winter place. Haven maybe or exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Poinciana. Exactly. No, that's good. So how soon do you think you'll start really focusing on your expansion? Uh, we we're very focused on it right now. I think it's okay. going to be, uh, you know, hiring the right physician who's a non-opera doc to get there and then uh, getting an office space set up. We're, we're trying to partner with one that I'm very excited about. I won't say it yet. Cause I don't, we don't have anything official but it's going to be one of the coolest things that's ever happened and the coolest place you could put an orthopedic clinic. Uh, and, uh, well, let's just say in winter Haven. And, uh, so that, uh, it, it's going to be awesome. We're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, something that hasn't been done before. So that may happen very fast. Nice. 
No, well, man, I want to thank you for joining me. It sounds uh, like you got some awesome stuff still going on. It was cool to check it out. I'm going to come down and get the dark screen at some point so we yeah, can man. see how bad yeah. off I am. Uh, that's uh, right. Whatever but, we uh, find, we can fix it for you. So you'll be yeah. – we <laughs> we're, we're using the heart rate variability stuff now, some high, high uh, dollar heart rate variability stuff. And actually one of the treatments we do on the new fit is, is we can measure your physiological age, like how old your body is versus chronological age, how old your, your time is. And then we've been able to prove that we can actually, you know, in a short period of time, make people younger. Like they go from a physiological state of, let's say, you know, 45, but then they're at 42 once we do the treatment. And that doesn't mean like we really made you younger, but what it means is we optimize your body. And so when we measure that from a heart rate variability standpoint, you're actually in a healthier state than you were before the treatment. So that's what we're doing with golfers right now is trying to get them in the zone or the parasympathetic wow. state. So before they play around, uh, they're in a, they're in a state of being in the zone. Uh, so that hopefully the scores go down, but as we're, we're tweaking with that stuff. And too. the technology is just crazy. I just feel so stupid because <laughs> <laughs> man, it's like, it's just, it's awesome. It's yeah. just hard to comprehend how, how, you know, much information you can get from, you know, doing those scans or doing the other yeah. stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's really cool. That's cool. Well, thanks again, man. We're going to keep yeah, in man. touch. Thanks for having me for sure. Hey, podcast fans. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Andrew Haynes Show. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, be sure to reach out to Andrew on LinkedIn. We'll see you next time.